Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. He asked, you guys like football? And Chibon's like, not really. Like, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, no, what I said was, I said, what, my, our, my football or your football? Yeah, that's what you said. Yeah, yeah. Not and this American like, rubbish. Yeah, yeah, he's like, football, man. Like, come on, football. Antonio Conte, who is now in at Tottenham, back in English football today. Is that a Ramona? Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at a Stetka and you can follow us at Tottenham Depot on both Twitter and Instagram. Joined today by three of my good friends. We'll start off by going out to Scott. He's at DSM Spurs. Scott, what's going on, man? Not much, man. Still a little bit confused by the fact that we played on Saturday and <laughs> yeah. are recording a day later. As you all know, I was very, very confused as to why we weren't recording a podcast after the match yesterday, and then I realized it was Saturday. So it's a, bit, a weird thing, and um, probably because I haven't worked in like 10 days, so tomorrow will be interesting. But um, Yeah, everybody's a little thrown off by the week in between Christmas yeah. and New Year, and, and it is it is very strange that, that Spurs played on a Saturday, and it's it's all it's all bizarre. You're right. It's I mean, we, it's we throwing everybody know. for a loop. Yeah, I mean, last match I saved at the last second by my wife reminding me that we played, and then the one before that I think I just didn't wake up for, right, because I didn't think we played. Um, and then I woke up, I think, at quarter after 9 a.m. realizing I just missed a full pot in the match, so that was interesting. But, but yeah, man, I, I was glad to be able to watch yesterday, and, and uh, you know, I'm glad that we're finally, finally getting to talk about yesterday's match 24 hours later, so... Yeah, it does feel like it took a while, but at least we had some time to digest it, and and we can now, you know, vomit out all of our thoughts. Um, speaking of vomit, no, I'm just kidding. We've got Shuban with us as well, at The Real Shuban. Shubs, what's going on, my friend? How are you? Good evening, guys. Um, yeah, Happy New Year to you all and to all the people listening to the pod. Absolutely. A happy New Year indeed. Shuban is... Uh, Finally getting back to full strength after the after the bout with COVID and, and the voice sounds strong and, and everything as well. Uh, we've also got a newcomer to the pod. Caroline Stefko is with us. She is at CG Stefko. Caroline, welcome and uh, thanks for joining us. Hey, y'all. It is nice to be on for the first time. I'm excited to talk about Spurs and uh, my voice might be sounding a little crackly because of mountain cedar allergies but i'll do my best <laughs> <laughs> we all we, we've all got that going on i've had allergies all week too and 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 weirdly the temperature here in arizona overnight was like in the low 30s like we actually had to cover our plants because it was freezing cold here so i'm you know sitting here in my studio and like bundled up because <laughs> it is cold but we're all working through it. Uh, those of you who have listened to the pod for a few weeks have heard uh, a couple of Caroline's Spurs women's segments, and they are incredible. We're going to have more of those going into the future as the women's team 
continues to battle for a European place in the Women's Super League. So that's really exciting. But we're excited to have Caroline on a regular pod live with us here today to um, to talk about this match, which is Spurs 1, Watford 0. Um, this one was obviously left late, guys, with the Davison Sanchez header coming off the, the Hyunmin Sun free kick. Um, Scott, I'm going to start with you, man. I mean, this we kind of went back to the normal, I guess, what you would call the normal lineup for this one uh, after midweek against Southampton. Um, and it's weird, you know, I, I feel like coming off the midweek draw against Southampton Spurs felt a little hard done by the couple of, of officiating decisions. And, you know, we're only able to get a draw despite kind of having the advantage really for that whole second half in this one. I felt like Spurs were lucky to get the three points because of just kind of how poorly they played. Right. I mean, this was, this was kind of a dreadful match to watch until the very end when Spurs were able to nick it late. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely it definitely could be viewed as dreadful without a doubt. Um, but I think the first thing I'll say before we really get into it, this is a type of match, first of all, that six weeks ago we lose handily, like handily, handily, handily. Um, and secondly, for a team that's going to achieve its goals, which for us right now is top four, you know, I could say for a team that wants to win the league, that's not necessarily our situation, but a team that wants to achieve a top four position is going to have to squeak out a couple of games like that, right? And so I'm not so worried about the performance itself. I'm really happy about the fact that we scored a goal in stoppage time to, to secure three points, right? Because it kind of reminded me of the 16-17 season. We had four or five of those that year when we secured 86 points, right? And a lot of times it was Erickson, um, literally Erickson just deciding to win a game, right? We don't have that anymore. But I do think, you know, it was reminiscent of, you remember Trippier's cross to Sun's back heel against Wofford, I believe, maybe three seasons, or that season, 16-17, right? Just kind of gave me that vibe. And so um, for me, it's more so us accomplishing that under Conte and me continuing continuing to believe that Conte has turned us into a real team pretty quickly, right? Because that's all Conte, us, us securing that goal. I mean, that fucking ball from Sun, I don't know if I've seen a better 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 ball off a set piece this season, like no question. And Dov just finished that thing. All he had to do was be there, right? Sun did everything. Sanchez just had to stick his head on it. But that Davidson Sanchez cold – cold-blooded killer celebration has quickly become my favorite celebration in the sport. Um, and it was just a heck of a goal. So, yeah, draft performance could have looked a lot better, right? But ultimately, we did what a good team needs to do, um, and I can live with that. Shuban, it seemed like in the first half, you know, I think Spurs had like close to 75% of the ball. And really, I think they finished with close to that number as well. Um, you know, if you look at the statistics, this was obviously a dominant performance from Spurs, but that was kind of because Watford didn't really seem to even want the ball. You know, um, I thought Hugo had to make a few really nice stops and I thought Hugo actually had a really brilliant game. But overall, th those were brief moments. Spurs really had the, you know, the bulk of the possession, but just couldn't like Scott mentioned, it, they couldn't seem to find the creativity. Um, what what was the biggest issue there for you that, that you saw? Because for me, it was. It was really just a matter of they kept giving that ball to Emerson with all that space and and he wasn't really doing a lot with it, right? Well, Emerson, it's weird though, because against was it Palace, he put in a, a good cross for Lucas and you know, good hang for and he so he's it's in there, but whether he can do it consistently, that's the key. 
And I don't know when we, because obviously when we signed him, everyone thought, oh, he's Brazilian, he's a fullback, he's going to love getting forward. Apparently he isn't. He's just a guy, you know, he can play fullback, but he's not like an attack, rampaging up and down the flanks kind of fullback. And it was weird that if you look at that game, we kind of like had a lot of shots that were blocked by the by the defenders, but we couldn't really find that final ball. And give kudos to um, Conte. He was very honest. He said, look, that final ball was poor. Our crossing wasn't great. That's something we need to work on. So, um, yeah, I think it wasn't, and not, not just from Emerson. I thought Regulon again, I've, I've honestly, I've, I'm probably maybe harsh on Reggie, but if he wasn't left-footed, there's no way he'd be a Premier League level defense player. If he was a right foot person, he hasn't got really the football skills, really, to be playing at that level. But because he's left footed and that is such a rare commodity, that's why he's playing at the level he's at. Well, it's so interesting you mentioned that he's left footed too, because when he does get himself, when he does work the ball into the box, he seems to want to cross it over to his right foot. And, and 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 bang a ball with his right instead of his left and it, it is I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because it is puzzling but um i, I want to go back to emerson though for a minute caroline you know a few weeks ago when emerson played against liverpool in the 2-2 draw it, it felt like there was a lot of space being given to him out on that right flank and I, I saw the same thing against watford i mean he kept getting that ball out there with acres of space and was really just kind of unproductive. He was putting in some crosses. He was maybe trying to feed the ball to Lucas Lowe. Um, th- there were a lot of things going on, just none of them super productive. What have you seen? I know that you know he's become a big talking point as to whether he's a right back or whether he can be a right wing back and the big distinction between those two things. What have you seen from both him and, and for that matter, Reggion on the left side as well? Yeah, I, I do think we're maybe being a little harsh on Emerson. Um, because some of his crosses were decent. I think it was more a matter of just not having those, you know, target men in the box ready to receive them. Um, I, I actually thought he had a better game than Region. Region was pretty poor for me because uh, I think he's more suited to those games where we are counterattacking, you know, he's a little more pacey. And um, But I do think for Emerson, it would be probably good for him to try to just cut in more often instead of going all the way out for that cross um, and trying to find a channel in, you know, more narrow path. Yeah. It's interesting. I think that at least for us and, and, and Shuban unfortunately can be, you know, excluded from this conversation, but the American team that was on, on the broadcast um, were really, really harsh on, on, on yeah. Emerson. I mean, if, if we were watching that match, they in fact kept make they, they kept, panning the camera over to Jaffa Tanganga and Matt Doherty on the bench. And they were kind of talking and it looked like they were both looking at each other saying, geez, I, I could do this job. Like this guy, this guy stinks out there today. And the broadcasters were kind of harping on that, but I, I think you're right, Carolyn. I think we are being slightly harsh on them. And, and the other point I think to be made is, and this is something that Scott kind of, kind of touched on earlier. You're going to have to, to, to win a lot of these one nil nicking a goal late games at Vicarage Road, if you want to be competitive in the Premier League, you have to win these types of matches. And for years, Spurs have been able to, to, to find them here and there, but you don't always. And these are tough games, especially when a, a club like Watford are going to pack the box full of nine and ten defenders um, and really just look to counter. And that's well, something that you know we've seen Spurs do a lot in the past, but that's something that Watford did really kind of effectively in this match, right? Right, Scott? 
Yeah, I mean, you did they, that transitions well into my point. You know, you packing men into the box. I think Watford had eleven guys. Probably a, they snuck a twelfth fan in at some point into the box. Like it was crazy, <laughs> man. And so this whole Emerson thing for me, I, I gravitate more towards Caroline. Like it's like a non-talking point for me because I, I just it just seems like and 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 trust. I it sounds a little dramatic, but here's here's the thing. Like we always have to have something to discuss as fans on Twitter. This is it. Like it's like a news cycle, right? The next match it'll it'll be dropped and we'll be discussing something else. But like there was literally eleven guys in the box. Like you, what are you guys asking him? And I'm not saying you guys, you three, but like what are people wanting from him? Like it's just a mess in the box. Like just keep. Like if I'm a manager in that situation, I say, look at that clusterfuck. Just keep throwing crosses in. Like something will happen. A ball will bounce one direction. Like it's just creating chaos, right? Like Emerson was fine. And I've said I've said it so many times on the show. Emerson is not expected to have the offensive acumen that is fully required of of a Conte wingback. He's getting there, right? But he is a he is a fullback, right? And he mm-hmm. Conte says you're athletic enough to do this job. Let me teach you how to do it. He's Emerson even said in an interview, Conte's teaching me so much, right? But like, just give the guy time. There's a reason we're going all in for a right wing back because we need someone complementary to Emerson, right? Someone a little more attacking because. When we play Liverpool, I want Emerson on the pitch 1,000%. And Chelsea, I want Emerson on the pitch. Like We need that defensive ability in those big matches. Against a Watford, I'd love Adama Traore bombing at those guys all day long, right? No, like, no, no. Well, yeah. whatever. You, you got, that's a whole other conversation. But my point is an attacking fullback, an attacking wingback to play against a team like Watford rather than Emerson – to compliment Emerson who needs to play against the big six, in my opinion, is like where we're getting, but we're just not there yet. And like the Emerson and Tanganga thing, y'all can talk whatever you want. Like neither of you are good enough to play wing back. Tanganga, right center back all day long. Obviously the announcers, who knows? They could have been saying like, hey, did you see the 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 show last night that came up on Hulu? Like who knows, right? The announcers are just making shit okay. up. Okay, but so I'm going to cut you there, Scott, because look, you started that point by saying this isn't a talking point, but you gave us a lot of things to 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 have a talking point on because you just sat there and told us that Emerson was good, but he's probably not good enough to do this long term because no, you think he's more of a defensive saying, right back. I'm I'm saying that you always want two wingbacks and Emerson's fine. Like like that's all I'm saying in this. Situation. But is he so so here's the distinction because this is the other thing. When Conte came in, you said the most important position two positions in this in this you know team under Conte are going to be the wingbacks left and right the question really is is Emerson a right back or is he a right wingback and I think what you're trying to say is that he's a right back not a right wingback which is fine you can have one of those in your squad but maybe that he's not going to be the bang on right wing back for this team uh, going forward I'm or or I'm is it that he that he can continue to learn more offensive acumen under Conte I can accept any answer Exactly. I mean, 1000% I'm not in no way, shape or form saying he can't do this job. I'm just saying we're like three, like probably four weeks into this project of him playing wingback, right? Like he, he is fine. Emerson is fine. I like my point of saying it's a non-talking point is like, I could have said like, it's a non-factor. It's whatever. Like Emerson's fine. Like, it's, it's just kind of like next for me. And again, I'm not directing that at you at all. It's a good question. No, I know what you're saying. You're saying you want to see more. You want to give it more time yeah, to see if he can develop like, more offensively. 
Yeah, we won a game. And like, and if people are going to say Emerson can't do this because his crosses were like six inches off where they needed to be like, my God, just stop. And that's like, that's probably just a a product of Twitter, right? And people just needing something to tweet about. But like Emerson is fine. And we won yesterday. It's something that we're going to come on to a little bit later now with with it being officially January and the transfer window being open. But I do think that that is a position of... Uh, importance let's just call it like high importance is, yeah. is getting another player who can play right wing back and not that person should not and should not be can, cannot be named Adama Traore because he's not a right wing back he's and, and frankly I think Emerson might have more finishing product than he does so it's, hey man you know I'll say wants him I'm telling you he's coming to Spurs I don't he's I don't I don't like that thought. I don't I don't like that idea whatsoever and and I also am not really here for the idea of Oh, Lucas Moore is that guy. Like, no. I'm not. I'm not here for that. I want somebody with, you know, I I want to have my cake and eat it too. I want somebody with the defensive acumen, but also the progressiveness going forward and the and the finishing touches that we're not quite seeing from Emerson. But we think there may be a player in there still. I think I think the same, frankly, can be said for Reggian at times. You know, Reggian I think shows a little bit more of offensively than than Emerson does, but. But like we mentioned earlier, the the weirdness and and Shuba made the great point. Like if he didn't have if he wasn't left footed, you know, who knows what he would be? Good shout. It really is. I sat here and, thinking about that. I'm like, yeah. And the fact that he and the fact that he tries to cross over to his to his right foot all the time is is a little bizarre. It's something that Sonny does, and it, and it looks great. But but Sonny can you know Sonny could bang a ball with a third foot if he had it. I mean, it wouldn't matter. Like that guy can can hit the ball anywhere. Um. I want to dive into the midfield a little bit here too, because we saw skip and PEH in the midfield and I thought skip actually had his first kind of, I don't want to say it was a clunker of a game. It wasn't that he he got pulled off after, after what was it? 70 minutes or so after picking up the yellow card. And I don't think he played poorly, but you know, he actually was a little bit lucky for me when he got the yellow card. I thought it, it, it could have been a red the way that he was yanking on, on the Jersey and, and, you know, um, preventing a potential goal scoring opportunity there. But uh, for me, the midfield, uh, there's a lot of conversation right now about create lack of creativity in the midfield. And this is something that when, when we hired Conte, I was worried about, I was worried that this team was going to uh, turn out PEH and skip, and there wasn't going to be enough going forward from those two. And I don't really think it's been an issue up until you get a match against Watford where they're packing the box and there's no one there to pick the locks. And I know that when, when I say the phrase, pick the locks and, and creative midfielder, everyone wants to go to one name and that's Christian Erickson. I, I think that ship has sailed and, and I don't think that's something that's happening in the future, but I do think that there, th- this match to me exemplified why Spurs still have a problem in the midfield because when you get, and, and it's really just about the system. It's not even about those two particular players. It's about throwing another player in that midfield in order to get something else going. And late in the match, when, you know, when Reggian uh, was eventually, or no, it wasn't Reggian. Yeah. Reggian was subbed uh, like 80, 80 minutes or so when Reggian was subbed, they finally started going forward a little more and really just using four at the back rather than a, than a full five. Um, but Shuban, what's the, I guess, what's the solution to this midfield? If there's no creativity against a team like Watford, where you have to nick a goal really, really late on just to get the three points. Well, first of all, I think you have to have context. If you look at say the game that happened beforehand, City had what, what I think Shaman 
and it took me what, to the 95th minute to beat Arsenal. I just thought I'd just mention that anyway, kind of thing. <laughs> just because I'm just gonna throw that in there. Because it was just a very good start to my my new year. But um, no, I think sometimes look when you're really well organized, it's very hard to breach. You know, when you've got like what, what was it? What was it as Scott said there were like 12 men in there or something? You know, yeah, and that's very hard to breach. You can have most. Yeah, you, know, you can have that either needle, that rapier-like pass. It doesn't always work. I think the problem we've got is what Ericsson... I mean, I remember a game um, against Conte's team, actually, it was against, when we beat Chelsea 2-0. And all Walker did, Walker could not cross the ball to save life. He was taking corners and they were awful. What Walker was very good at doing was getting wide, getting up there really quick, and then giving the ball to Ericsson. And what Ericsson did better than anyone else is he saw a picture and was able to execute something quicker than anyone else and the thing is we have players there now who were saying get, get, oh, we should prevent Kieran, Kieran Trippier like, no Kieran Trippier has a good cross on him but he'd always need time to set himself everything else and by that time he would already been closed down what Ericsson did so well was he made great decisions very very quickly and we have not had that since so you have two choices you can either try to get a Christian Ericsson style type player or you can try and look work in what you have, or you do a combination of both, really. Try and look something different creativity. I mean, I was watching the, whatchamacallit, what game today? Um, the Real madrid Getafe game. And, you know, Real Madrid were battering, they were, they were literally battering the Getafe defence. They were Getafe were like a goal up and didn't see their goal, but and Real Madrid was like pounding, pounding, pounding. They had Cruz up there. They had Modric, two very good creative midfielders. You know, maybe they're older, but they can. And then they said, you know what, let's change it. Let's bring on um, Isco. So I think if you look at so the players who are available in January, I think there will be players that are available we can look at. But really, for me, it's about coaching. I don't think Conte has been there long enough to say, you know, obviously he said, look, I've, I've, you know, he's been there about three, four weeks. But really, what you want is a pre-season. Look at the players over two, three weeks without the pressure of games, how they're taking my ideas on board. Because it's what? It was, was it two days of training, rest, game, rest, two days of training? It's relentless, especially right about now. So I don't think he's had that chance really to really give me. Obviously, he talked about Tony saying he's just a midfielder. I think the fact that he chose to bring on Twigman, GLS Elso, head of Tom and Dombele, says volumes. Well, he just doesn't. He he's me, also had time. He. You know he has had time with these players now, though it's been he's been here two months, and he had the he had the break with with COVID. Granted, he probably didn't have all the players he wanted, but you know he I think that's where that 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 discussion of of Indombele versus Lacelso or Winks or anyone else comes in is because he's had time now to evaluate the players. Wouldn't I think, you, wouldn't I think, you agree with that? For me, I think he's I think he's had the time, but I don't think. It's not like with preseason. I think we looked at preseason, and then there's a whole bunch of players that we got rid of. Uh, Sissoko, who everyone was very, it was really nice actually seeing all the players hugging yesterday. It was, it was cool, and you know stuff like that. I think you need that, like that pressure free time where you can just look at players without the. I mean, we're, we're going to play what? I mean, this fortnight we play what? Chelsea, then Arsenal, then Chelsea, then it's just it's so intense, mm-hmm. and you're focusing on the game. And the thing is, ultimately. It's about can I trust that trust that player to give him a chance? Because if I can't, then I've got to substitute him. That means I end up losing one of my subs. I think if this is COVID, but COVID, COVID times when you can make four or five subs, then yeah, that works. 
And right now, Conte, I mean, it's not just Conte. Um, Ryan Mason didn't replay on Dombele. Now, we, now, they've spoken about Ndombele. Alistair Gold is a huge, he's a card, he, I'm sure if he laminated a card, he would say, I'm a fan of the, of the Tongi Ndombele fan card. Yes. And apparently, what Tongi Ndombele can do is the best player on the ball, which is fantastic. I remember, what was it? Pep, what was it? Pep Guardiola said to Messi, I know you're the best player in the world with the ball. I need to see that you become the best player in the world without the ball. Yeah, and if you can say that to Messi, I'm sorry, if you're, you're Ndombele, you're not Messi, mate. Well, I don't think anyone's been comparing Ndombele to Messi. No, what I'm saying is that if that's what you're going to ask of Messi to do, then if I'm Ndombele, then I've got to change my attitude. I've got to do something to say, you can trust me. Even if you, even if it means like, I don't know, when you're on the pitch, you do the high, high energy run, which you are like, why the fuck am I doing this? It's called playing the game. It's, you know, sure. it's, it's what people do in the offices. Why do people stay an hour later, even though the work's already been done? They want to show the boss they're working really hard and working really late. It's that kind of shit that you have to do. And I think Ndombele, he is a maverick. Well, do you know what? You know, there's a reason why Maverick, maverick lost his, I forgot, was it Gooseman or something, you know? There, there's a reason why. Because sometimes Mavericks don't work. I mean, look at yesterday, again, Bardot spent 100 million on on um, Grealish. They're a man down. And then even the comments saying, why are they not bringing on Grealish? Because right now he doesn't feel he can trust them. He's too maverick for what, you know, Conte has a system. And you play to that system, and then Dombele, he doesn't. I don't think he can trust him yet. Well, and it's something that, like to your point, we saw when when Winks came on yesterday. We we kind of saw when Winks came on for Skip. We kind of saw a little bit more even going forward from Winks, which is again not something in in the year of our Lord twenty twenty two that I thought I would be saying, but um, but it is. C- Caroline, do you see a problem in this midfield creatively, or do you think that this is just a Watford were packing the box and you know doing their doing their damnedest defensively to park the bus, um, or or is it something that going forward is we feel like more is going to be needed from from this midfield? Well, I think it can be both. <laughs> um, I do think the fact that they were playing such a low block was just a big barrier to us yesterday, and it kind of reminded me of my local NBA team, the San Antonio Spurs they have this motto pounding the rock. Like sometimes you just have to keep chipping away um, and that's all you can do, you know? So I, I thought it looked yesterday like we were executing the game plan well. Um, it was just that the final ball wasn't there, the final pass, you know? Um, so I, I wasn't surprised that in the end we did get the goal even though it came late. Um, but definitely going forward, the midfield is a problem because Right now, it seems like, you know, we've got we've got Skip, who I think is good at. He's probably the best player we have at sort of dictating the pace of the game. Um, and then Hoybier, you have kind of just gathering the ball, um, doing the dirty work, as we like to say. Um, but we we really don't have that player who you can reliably count on to be creative, like the Ericsson type. So I. For me, I think that's got to be, if not our number one priority in the transfer window, then at least number two. Uh, I think maybe number one would probably be getting in another striker simply because we don't have one. Um, And you can't always count on Kane to last the whole season. But yeah, midfield, I definitely would be looking for us to bring someone new in. 
And if Dakota were here right now, he would be screaming the name Paolo Dybala, and that's never going to happen. But we're just going to shout out Dakota for that. Um, especially I'm because he's a player that can almost play both of those roles. He could, yeah. you know, he could be the creative and the and the, the second striker. Go ahead, Shubes. I was going to say, do you know what? Um, D actually did mention the idea of, like, say, Stevie B playing as that right wing back. And we saw that's what, that's what Conte did with Victor Moses. I, I look at that the same as I look at, at Lucas, though. I, I actually don't know that Stevie B is long for this team. I, I've yeah. seen a lot of stuff about him potentially being cashed in on this month, if not in the summer. I, I don't know. It, the idea of turning wingers, true wingers and 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 forward players into wingbacks to me is a great idea in, in, in thought. I just don't know that it's always it's just not applicable to every player in my mind. And, and I don't. Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing. Yeah, again, it's a great thought, um, but if this is a this is a person's career. Like, if I'm Steven Bergvine, I'm not I'm not disrupting the, the progression of the last like ten years of my life just to play wingback to fit into this side, and then say, okay, well, am I a wingback the rest of my career? Like, when I leave Spurs and Conte's no longer my manager does anyone want me to play winger at that point? Cause I've been playing wing back. Like it's just, it's not a good idea. And we just need to buy a wing back. Right. Like we just need to actually get someone in who's, who is tailored for the position. Right. And I like with Bergvine, I would love to see him continue to be part of this squad backing up son and Lucas. Um, I think there's an opportunity there for him, but it just comes down to one. Does he want to play a, a bit part role? And two, do we need to invest back into him, right, and pull funds and invest somewhere else um, rather than keep him around to back up Lucas and Son, right? So there's a lot that goes into this, and um, but him playing wingback is definitely not the solution, in my opinion here. Well, and, and I think three has the answer. The, the other part of that equation would be has a player like Brian Heal already surpassed him in that role, and now Bergvine was Bergvine's He's hurt right now. Brian. Yeah, you know, but Bergman's hurt right now. But but Brian Hill came on in that match late on, you know, yesterday, and I thought looked pretty good and and was running around. He's a guy who, you know, Shuban mentioned Tongi and Dombele not not looking like a footballer when he doesn't have the ball. I feel like if anybody looks like a footballer without the ball, it's Brian Hill. And then when he gets the ball, he can do a few things with it too. But Brian Hill is is running and trying to create passing lanes and and trying to draw attention. He feels like he's his motor is always moving. And in the limited times that we've seen him, I don't know is that a player who is a couple years younger than Bergvine and is still has room for for growth? Is that a guy who's already kind of surpassed him? I don't know the answer to that, but I do think that when you've got a guy with a little bit of value and a little bit of um, desire to maybe go play somewhere else and desire from other clubs, perhaps, you know, in the Netherlands, why wouldn't you cash in on a guy like that right now and use those funds to go get yourself a wing back or another left-sided center back or another striker or, or create a, you know, there's, we've been talking all, all about all of the the little parts of this team that could use a, a sprinkle of, of, of Conte's, you know, magic um, in any one spot. So I, I think that that might be the move for me. His thing, though, I don't think anyone's got any money, though. I mean, look at, I mean, I think yeah. Barcelona apparently signed, was it, they, they signed Fernando Torres. Apparently, they can't register him because they, they talked about this on the Chelsea game. They can't actually register him until they clear down their debt. Is that That's a Barcelona problem, though? I mean, they were dealing with that at the beginning of the season. Well, no, what I'm saying is, I'm saying they're just the sheer amount of money thinking, oh, we can move players on. I mean, like everyone's looking at Newcastle saying, oh, come on, 
by our player, by our player. I mean, that's what everyone's looking to do. Hopefully, that they're, they're hoping for Newcastle to kickstart some kind of trickle down all the way. I, I think personally, there may be players that may be looking to maybe we might do like loan deals for. So, do you know what? True. You know what? You're, you're going to struggle to get into the team. Here's a loan deal. It keeps your value up. It keeps you in the shop window. They may do it within the Premier League, obviously, because right now the Premier League is the only, or either that or they're going to have to subsidise the wages. Because right now the Premier League is the only league that really has any money. I mean, Juve, I mean, Real Madrid are looking to try and get a whole bunch of guys on Bosmans. Obviously, we talked about, well, I think, Andrew, you, you'll mention that Hugo Lloris later, but a lot of, you know, and they've worked out because they think, you know what, we can't afford to pay like massive fees then agents' fees, and then signing on fees, and then wages on top of that. So they're looking to, you know, basically trim down. If, and that's if that's Real Madrid, who normally spark off like a huge transfer kind of you know, roundup, you know, kind of dash. Then I think that's the, that's that's going to permeate for everyone. So I would like to think we can move players on. I just don't know. Like Tony Ndombele, I'd love to get get the hell get get, get rid of him, but I have no idea who would take him and his wages on right well, now. I mean that you make you make a great point, and it almost can tie back to Bergvine and probably Tongi, right? Because we were going to need to pull funds from somewhere, I would think, right? Like it's I don't think it's out of the realm, you know, while we're on the subject to say Levy's got 80, 100 million prepared for Conte right now, right? But maybe, I don't know. Um I have no clue, right? But I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, but I still think we're looking to develop funds from from somewhere, right? Bergvine's one of the few guys that probably could carry like a 20-plus price tag, right? Um, Tongi's probably about that, 20, 20-ish is probably what we could get for Tongi right now, which is crazy considering we just paid $65 million for him a few years ago, right? Um, but I could, And that's a huge loss, but like that's those are probably the two players who could – bring some cash back for us. Right. And it's not a ton Delhi, nothing like you could get seven, 8 million for Delhi at this point, maybe 10, right? Like maybe. And that's like from someone stupid, probably who's willing to just like spend money needlessly, like a PSG or something. Right. But or a, or a Newcastle, which is what Shuban was. Seriously, I mean, Delhi, <laughs> Delhi might end up at Newcastle and he might, it might be great for his career. Like, you know, they, we're not seeing these things, but if I'm Delhi, that's a place where I consider going to revitalize myself because you're going to play a shit ton if you go to Newcastle. You're going to start every match, right, this this season right now. Maybe not next year, right, but if you get in the door right now, reestablish yourself, play some good football, you could be part of a pretty exciting squad next year if you're Delhi, right? So there's opportunity there, but I don't know. I mean, Tongi and Bergvine are the two guys off the top of my head that I think could pull some some cash back in, and I think that's something we have to talk about here too. I mean, look, th- this goes back to the rant that I did on, on, on the podcast, I think like a week, week and a half ago or so. Um, it, it takes two to tango always for, for, for these transfers to happen. Um, everybody was barking, you know, 10 days ago, sell Giovanni Lo Celso. And I said, to who? Who the hell wants a guy like that? Who hasn't played? Who it appears is using Spurs as a training uh, it for in between his, his Argentinian call-ups, um, you know, and I'm not hitting on the guy. He's had really bad injury luck, but you know, the reason I brought Steven Bergvine's name up in transfer rumors is because there's, there's been actual substance to those. There's been transfer rumors that he would be able to go to, to Ajax or, or, or at least back to the Netherlands in general um, and, and, you know, play in his home country, which, 
kind of seems to make sense at this point in his career um, because it's not, he's not really kicking on in the premier league like many thought he might be able to. Um, I think the same goes for a player like Delhi, who, who rumors have been around his name for gosh, not just the last few weeks, but it feels like the last few years. Um, and Dombele is a weird one. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't hear anybody knocking down the door for, for Ndombele. Um, uh, you know, maybe Jose Mourinho really wants him at Roma, which is, I think the latest rumor, which is silly to me, but like it, you have to have a buyer for these players. Scott's exactly right. And I feel like there aren't a lot of buyers for Spurs players right now, because not the ones that all the Spurs fans want to sell are the ones that there's a reason Spurs fans want to sell them, you know, that it's that they haven't done anything. So if they haven't done anything, who would want them? Um, and, and that's, you know, that's the kind of the hardest part. And Shuba makes a good point too. You know, the premier league is where the money is. A lot of these other leagues, they're not going to be paying exorbitant amounts for these players. And, you know, Daniel Levy's not going to want to take a loss. And, and, you know, Scott brought up, Tonki and Dombele, you're going to have to take a loss on Tonki and Dombele if you're going to sell him. Is that something that, that, that Enoch is willing to do right now? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I think they should be. We, in did, order for, to... we did for Soldado. I think Soldado with a 26 million, he went for nine. Yeah, but you're, you're talking about, you're talking about a different, I, I get what you're saying. In the, COVID, in the COVID era though, are they going to be willing to do that is the question. Yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. I mean, I look, I mean, for me, it's like people saying, oh, we should get like Kessel, which there's all these players. And I'm like, well, yeah, but why, why would they even want to sign now? You all these players who essentially can talk to foreign clubs. I think they can, I think they can talk to foreign clubs right now. So mm-hmm. why would they want to, you know, forego that incredible, massive signing on bonus and huge wages to join in January? I think, oh, screw it. I'll just wait till Jan. I'll wait till June. July or whatever, and I move on. It's it's a very tough market. January is notorious for that. I mean, we've gone from a market where just ask Steve we, Hitchin. Pardon? Just ask Steve Hitchin. He'll tell you. <laughs> well, you know, you're you're right though. It is. It's a tough market, and and it's it's one of those things that some of this will have to wait to summer. But the the reason that 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 Spurs are a draw right now is is the same reason that we said Spurs were a draw when they signed Jose Mourinho to be their manager. It's because Antonio Conte is their manager. Well, and, and here's another point to this too. There, There's a few guys who have been on the fringes, I think, like, like a Harry Wings, for example, who certainly isn't anymore, right? But guys that have been on the fringes who we thought we could maybe invest back into the market. Um, but I, if, if we're looking at our goal right now of top four, and we've already heard Conte say it, so I'm not I'm not uh, not beating anybody to the punch here with this stop. But I look at a guy like Winks. I think about what I could get for him in the market. I think about what that could pull back for me. And I'm definitely not interested in trying to bed somebody in quickly to help us get top four when I've got Winks playing some good football again, right? So I, I think I think the club from Conte on up through the board is also probably scrambling a little bit right now, trying to figure out if they still feel the same way they felt, you know, six weeks ago about some of these guys. And I think Conte has always been open-minded enough to never have an opinion there, but I think Conte's opinion is probably swaying the board's opinion a little bit and maybe some planning that was happening for upcoming windows 
is halting a little bit because of what Conte is getting at a few of these guys. And I'm not saying we don't move them on eventually, but not in January when we're actually making a push for top four. You know? No, I, I 100% agree with you. And it's funny you say you hope Conte's opinion is swaying the board. I hope Conte's opinion is the only opinion because he's the guy that's in charge of making this thing work. He's been brought in and over the last two months, yeah. he's given his value. He's, he's, he's been able to make his evaluation and now can kind of give his verdict. And we're seeing, I think, I think from, from a fan's perspective, we're seeing that play out. We're seeing his verdict basically play out in who he's using on the pitch and who he's putting yeah. into squads and, and, and using his subs. We're going to see more of that as the, 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 the months develop. And especially as the rest of this month develops, because you know, the word is that Spurs are going to bring in at least two new players. And it'll be really interesting as to what position that those two new players or more will play. And I think it'll also be really interesting as to, you know, who's playing time suffers if that happens, of course. Um, I, I just, to, to me, all of this will resolve itself, but I, I'm just, you know, I was the skeptical one about Antonio Conte. Obviously the job that he's done is, is, is remarkable so far in getting this club back into kind of conversations even for top four. Um, but now it's, well, it's, it's, it's what he's going to do to, to put his fingerprint on the club going forward with transfers and with, you know, really just with playing time for the current squad. Well, you've got, you've got uh, like CPV and Jack Clark who are clearly subs to requirements. So we, I think it'll be a case of a lot of players are going to be cleared out like Jack Clark, possibly Cameron Carter Vickers is doing wonderfully well for Celtic. Apparently they're looking mm -hmm. to make that move permanent. You've got players like Troy Parrott who, we really hope to kick on for us, but he's not really doing it. MK Dons, I think he, I think we have MK Dons are really struggling at the moment in the league anyway, but he's not really having the effect that we were hoping. Like we we're hoping he'll be banging in tons of goals, but whatever reason, it just hasn't happened. So I think there will be players that probably the players that we you don't think about when you think of Spurs, but you know they will bring in like you know funds and you and they will get wages off the you know. Off the, off the books so it's interesting to see what happens mm. yeah it's true well speaking of wages um we do need to have a hugo Lloris conversation because fabrizio romano reports that that is a deal an extension of one year that's going to happen soon probably this month and you know hugo's obviously out of contract at the end of this season and a lot of people have been kind of speculating that maybe this would be it for him at Spurs, but um, it does seem like he's at least going to extend for one year. I guess my question is, um, we all know that it's not Scott's favorite rapper, Pierre Luigi Golini, that's going to uh, succeed Hugo because hell, the rumor is that his, he, he might be sent back to from whence he came this month. Uh, and we might just go with, you know, maybe, maybe we'll have Scott as the backup keeper. I don't know. Instead of, of Golini. Yeah, you could, you could, you could probably do it. You well, you could do as good of a job as he did for sure, because um, I'm pretty sure a, a statue could as well. Um, but I guess the question is, and, and Caroline, I'll ask you this one first: Is a year for Hugo enough, or are we a little disappointed that if it's only a year, that we're going to be back in this position perhaps 12 months from now? Uh, yeah, personally, I'm a little disappointed to hear that it's only going to be a year, just because I, I honestly think he is still playing at his top level. Yesterday was a great example of that with the two incredible, I guess one was a save and one was more of like an interception, intervention, whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, he's he's playing as best as he ever has. And uh, But on the plus side, even just a year gives us some time to 
reevaluate, see who we want to bring in um, to study underneath him and get them ready to take over when he does leave the club. And hopefully, I mean, I feel like right now the market for goalkeepers is not the best in terms of bringing in someone who is at the same level as Hugo. I mean, he's one of the top keepers in the world, in my opinion. So that's going to be difficult no matter when we're looking for his replacement. But, you know, at least giving ourselves another year, there's a chance that someone else could become unhappy at their club, not be getting the game time they want, and, um, you know, be able to bring in a different option than some of the names we've heard, which I haven't been really thrilled about. I know I've heard, like, Nick Pope, um, Dean Henderson, who hasn't worked out at Manchester United because De Gea has been, you know, on the upswing suddenly. Um, I don't know. None of them really thrill me. So giving ourselves another year to kind of kick the can down the road, I think, is a positive. Um, before we continue this conversation, I'm really glad that you mentioned Hugo's, uh, and I, I love the word you used, his intervention uh, <laughs> on 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 the goal scoring opportunity yesterday because I forgot to mention it when we were, when we were really in depth talking about the Watford match. I thought he was really lucky because I thought if that had been looked at any longer, that that might have gone that decision might have gone a different way on VAR. And I thought it was way more egregious of a of a shout than the Harry Kane one at the other end, uh, where he, you know, had his, some arms wrapped around him. But I'm 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 really glad you brought that up because it's something that we did not really discuss. And I thought that was really, really fortunate for Hugo. Yeah, but you know, I feel like this is the second time we've seen him do that this season. Mm -hmm. So even just the fact that he is like feeling confident to attempt that, I, I don't feel like we were seeing that from him last season necessarily. So no. he he's clearly feeling like he's in good form. And I think that's, you know, a major positive. And and I think you're exactly right. I think not only is he one of the, the best goalkeepers in, in England, but in the world, and I think he's still criminally underrated. You know, it's mm. I don't I don't really get aggrieved as a Spurs fan when Spurs don't get the amount of attention that other big clubs do. The only part of my kind of Spurs fandom that that where that hits is when best goalkeepers are mentioned and Hugo's name is never on the list. And it's, it's always kind of like, really, we're not even going to, we're not even going to put him in the collection of four or five guys that are being talked about in that way. Um, that's the only part that kind of bugs me. And look, the man just turned 35. That is not old for a goalkeeper. It's old for an outfield player, but it's not old for a goalkeeper. Um, I, I tend to agree with you that the year for me feels a little bit like kicking the can down the road and feeling each other out and, and kind of seeing where this thing goes. And it, it's a little bit of like, will they, won't they commit to this thing more <laughs> long-term? Um, I would like to see two, three years, but eh, look, if, 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 if Hugo feels a little uneasy and is not sure if this Conte thing is for, for the long and, and I guess that's fine. It, you know, I'm all about pleasing the guy, but I do, I think that he is, still playing at a really, really high level. And, you know, I'm happy that he's, it looks like going to be around at least into next season. That's something that, that, that excites me because, you know, I think we all were like, if, if we would have had this conversation a year and a half ago, if Hugo was leaving, we would all be like, okay, well give the armband over to Harry Kane and, and we'll, we'll chug along with someone else. But I don't feel that way anymore. I don't want that armband going to Harry Kane. And I, I you know, uh, Hoy Bear would maybe be a nice option. Skip would maybe be a nice option, but I I want that armband still on Hugo's arm at least you know in, into the near future. And I think we don't actually know that whether he, he was offered a two year contract and he just said no, I just want one year because because yeah. we, we, we have we have no idea what the terms are 
It could be a year with like an extension clause that they offer. So we still don't know. I mean, obviously, Fabrizio Romano is very well clued up. But like I said, he might have only wanted a year. Yeah, you know, he might want to say, you know what? Because obviously, this is a World Cup year as well. And obviously, sure. and so that affects things for him as well. So I think, you know, I think he's, you know, I think we are going to see, I think, going forward, you're not going to see like the five, six year contracts anymore because players don't want to do that. They will just think, well, do you know what? You know what? As long as I don't have a massive injury, I'm going to do like a three or four year contract. And that way, you know, the club can't really hold me to ransom if they want, I want to move on. I think, yeah. I think that's more of a trend. The more I think about it, I, a year makes a lot of sense. I think I'm speculating, but I think there there is some some truth to Hugo wanting to go back to Nice, you know, in the nearest future. Um, I think here's like people are going to say, you know, he spent his entire career at Spurs and then he goes back to his hometown club and retires, blah, blah, blah. The dude won the World Cup. Like he's 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 done it right. Like, regardless of if you've got a Premier League title, whatever, Hugo Lloris is going to be a Spurs legend forever, and he's got a World Cup. So, like, he is the World Cup holder, actually, right? And so I think if I'm him, going back to Nice in the near future would be beautiful. Like, everybody wants to go home, right? Like, you miss home, you know? Um, I get it. And so if I'm Tottenham and I'm trying to figure all this out, it's like, give us another year. Let let Paratici do his thing, you know, for another 16 months or whatever and figure out our next long-term plan Paratici can do some pretty incredible things he signed Ronaldo Juventus right like he 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 can pull some some cards and I'm not a big Ronaldo guy right and I'm not like giving him plaudits for that but the point stands right he can pull he can kind of pull a signing out of nowhere and I've been talking with Juve Dave who will be coming on the pod you know my best friend in the world best man in my wedding he he's a big Juve guy and um like big Juve guy. It's not, not a thing, right? To, to all the listeners out there, he knows his stuff. And he was just going on and on about, you know, the fact that I need to be prepared for some things to come out of nowhere that are pretty exciting in the next couple of windows because Paratici and Conte, that's what they do, right? So um, it's very it's very intriguing, right? And, and I'm just kind of going on a rant right now, but I think Hugo staying for another year is perfect, and it gives it gives Paratici some time to figure out what we're going to do from here, right? Because and to to think that we would even be able to move on, I mean, we we need to, we, you'd have to spend seventy million to get a keeper of his quality at this point, like easily. Just, yeah, he's already at the club. Just sign, just give him another contract, right? He he holds the World Cup, as I may have mentioned a couple of times at this point, right? So. Just, uh, yeah, get it done and any year makes sense while we continue to figure things out. Because I think it's so easy as fans to just look at something like this and say, well, is the club going to offer the contract? Is the club going to offer the contract? Like, Hugo has to want to continue yes. to be Spurs for the long term and for him to sign a contract, right? Like, we always it's, forget it's, about the It's the same way with transfers. It's a two-way street between. Yeah, like, we love to forget about the fact that people are human beings who, like, make decisions for themselves right um and it's not that's not true scott all these players are just robots for our entertainment Uh, you know that come on we we blame football manager for that like i've been playing as we've been recording and you just buy whoever you want for 80 million and they come right so uh, i I mean to your to your point about the unexpected 
you know, perhaps coming with, with Paratici and, and Conte. I think this is also the point of the podcast where we mentioned that Dakota would say it's going to be Dybala and no, it's, <laughs> it's not going to be Dybala. Although maybe it will, who knows? I mean, we did sign Gareth Bale last year, weirdly for, for a season. And that came out of absolute nowhere. When everyone hey, somebody said, called that, bud. somebody called that. Don't ever forget that. We yeah, not. So, so you got one right out of how many good, good for you. <laughs> <bud>. <laughs> uh, folks let's look at the the week slash week and a half ahead because spurs don't have another premier league match until and it's weird i did not realize this but it's it's not for another two weeks in in the meantime it's all cup matches so chelsea this wednesday in the first leg of the league cup semifinal then we have morcom uh on sunday a week from today in the fa cup third round and then the second leg against chelsea the following wednesday that's the return leg at home so these are kind of crucial, right? <laughs> right, Shubes? I mean, these are this is kind of a kind of a big ten days for the club in, in terms of the two domestic cups. Well, Morecambe is uh, well, obviously Chelsea. I mean, for me, it's funny because Morecambe is like so. Well, there's a very there's a very good entertainer every five years ago, Eric Morecambe, and he took his nice stage name from Tam Morecambe, and it's very famous for its shrimps, brown shrimps. And the reason I'm bringing that up because prior to this chat. Um, Andrew was telling me about all these very, very competitions that American college teams play for, apparently, and it's based on like names or something like beavers and ducks and flatbirds and God knows what else. But um, no, um, now more comes to be interesting because for them, it's going to, I mean, we obviously, you remember Marine last year, I was one of the fans that bought a ticket, one of this Virgil ticket, so hopefully, if I go up there, my name's going to be on the wall somewhere. And for, As it should be. And I think I think Morecambe I think it's, it's Morecambe are playing at home on they they actually are playing at home or are they playing no so that's a home that's a home match for that's Spurs. our home game it's home for Spurs if it's home for Spurs that's even better for Morecambe because they make even more money out of it mm-hmm. they make even more money out of it and for them so yeah I mean obviously Chelsea I think they lose is it Mendy for yes. the Open Cup of Nations so we interesting to see how Kepa does because under um, Lampard Kepa just he, literally just didn't play him at all and so you've got a player there that has zero confidence I mean, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna put it to you guys do you reckon we'll see Galini playing any matches god i hope not even even the morgan games i just don't i don't know because Galini doesn't seem to be i mean i know as scott is an italian rapper you have some kinship with him but um i don't know he doesn't he doesn't seem to strike much confidence in me i'm afraid i'm sorry he won't play Conte is not fucking around. Conte is here to win everything, and Conte is not here to get keep people happy with their minutes. Like, nah, Hugo will play every single match that he's physically able to play. For the rest he's of the he's he's really like me on this podcast. The way I distribute questions, like if you're not giving me the answers I want, I'm not giving you the next question. It's like yeah, you know, gone. <laughs> no, I I think you're right, man. I I I can't see Gulini getting on the pitch. Like if he does, it would come next Sunday in the FA cup against a team that they should be able to walk over. But I, I don't know. Like, give me, is, is Brandon Austin at the club still? Well, Whiteman just came back from loan. <laughs> there we go. Give me Alfie yeah. Whiteman. Yep. Give me Alfie Whiteman instead of Galini. I don't know. I just We're dangerously close to him, like triggering matches played to where we have to buy him. So that factors in here too, I think. Oh, I totally forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you know what? 
send him to Siberia then. Like, I don't want him anywhere close to the pitch. Be nice to him. He's a cool dude. <laughs> I will choose to believe you, but only because. Well, and then the rumor is that Atalanta is going to send him right back out on another loan if they, if they, if we terminate the loan. So, because they don't want him either, because they know he, he doesn't stop shots, he doesn't move. It's so weird. I mean, I knew nothing about him, but at the time I was excited. Like I was like, well, Atalanta is a good little team. Like we you just were excited because he's an Italian team. rapper. I mean, I always want you. I've he's not even high. Italian. Isn't he Argentinian? No. Yeah, he's, no, he's Italian. He's Italian. He Italian. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Honestly, for some reason I thought he was Argentinian. Speaking of that, my desire for us to become the Italian national team, Insigne is going to go to Toronto FC, which crushes my dreams. Um, and that's a huge move for MLS, man. That's really exciting and really exciting for Toronto. So I'm a little bit, a little bit irritated with Paratici for not getting that one done. And, you know, as we all know, all we had to do was offer him a contract, but we chose not to do that. Right. So I'm furious with the club and Insigne goes to Toronto FC. Again, it takes, again, it takes two to tango. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're just going to continue to say that no. until the end of time. Levy's fault. Enoch out. We should have signed Insigne. Uh, Caroline, obviously I think the priority for, for anyone this week would be on the Chelsea, the two Chelsea matches over the next week and a half. Um, but what, what does this week, I guess, mean to you with Spurs in terms of the importance of it? Obviously the premier league is still important and the matches that come up after this week are very important. You know, you've got Arsenal and then Chelsea, uh, and then another one against Southampton. Like there are not easy matches, um, coming beyond this week, but this week specifically, the importance of it. What does it, what does it mean for, for Spurs going forward under Conte? Well, I think it's really important that we do take the league cup seriously because it is one of our best chances to actually win a trophy this season. And we're coming up against Chelsea at, you know, there's never a good time to face them, but this could be the best with them having Mindy out definitely for the two league cup matches, um, possibly for the, um, the other match that we have against them later in the month, uh, depending on how his country does in the Cup of Nations. But I don't know. After watching the Chelsea-Liverpool game earlier, I was feeling a little confident coming into this week because Chelsea do have so many misses right now with injuries, COVID, you know, Lukaku, the Lukaku of it all. Um, But... They, they still managed to put up a really good fight today, even without some of those players. So it's, it's, it is going to be a challenge. I think it's positive that we do have that game against Morecambe midweek that we can rotate. Um, maybe not Hugo, like we said, <laughs> but that, that should effectively be like a rest match for him anyway. Cause I don't see Morecambe challenging him very often in that game. Yeah. That, but, that would, that would certainly be the hope. Yeah. But, if they are, if they are, we have bigger problems. Chelsea exactly. also, though, Chelsea also get the benefit of kind of a, a lesser FA Cup opponent at the weekend. On Saturday, they play Chesterfield. Yeah. So it's not like they're going to be um, really pressed in that competition. But they also, at the same time, after the second leg, will have eyes forward just like Spurs will. Spurs will be looking ahead to Arsenal. Chelsea have to go uh, make a trip to play Man City in, in the days after that second leg. So before the, you know, the Premier League match against us again. So it's not like there's any breaks in the schedule for them either. Um, and I do find it interesting that, you know, this this kind of League Cup semifinal uh, quadrant here are all the teams. And, and I'll just exclude West Ham because 
I, I feel like it. You know, West Ham, of course, currently sit fifth, but Spurs have the games in hand on them. They have the games in hand on Arsenal, but you know, it's all these teams uh, that are kind of chasing Man City right now. City are ten points clear, but it's all the teams kind of bunched up right behind City that are um, vying for the League Cup, and it's you know, it's a spot that Spurs found themselves in the final last year and had a chance. And we're not going to talk about what happened the week before that because um well mainly because todd's not here and he would remind me of it um but that's I about know, to, and I'll yeah I, I'll, I'll 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 jump on i'll jump on that train and and beat you to the punch but um but i i i think you guys are right this is a a, a big week i think it would be it would be really cool just to make the final again over these next two legs getting past chelsea would be I think a really big accomplishment not to say that you wouldn't then of course want to go and, and win the damn thing because Spurs obviously want to win a damn a damn thing here in the near future. Uh, we've been we've been hoping for that for what over a decade now, something like that. Yeah. I can't even remember the last one. Thirteen years. Thirteen years. Yeah, thirteen years. Fourteen years. So, fourteen. Fourteen years actually. Yeah. Fourteen with the turn of the yeah. Sure. Well, we'll go. We'll we'll get into the technicalities there. But um, obviously, the Morka match should be fun. Should be a little bit more of a hopefully a, a respite. But the, the Chelsea ones are what we're really looking forward to and and what should really um, prove to be crucial over the next week and a half. Um, we're going to be back with you next weekend to talk about the first leg and the Morka match and whatever the heck else happens in this crazy month that always has, uh, that always provides us something to talk about. I mean, heck, we, we just talked for, you know, about an hour about a myriad things and we, 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 we talked about the game, but the game was the game, you know, we, we had to talk about the game, but you know, we talk about Hugo. We talk about this midfield. We talk about um, transfers and the, the the fact that the window's open and um, you know the the breeze is coming in. And we'll just see what else happens to fly through or or fly out over the next uh, thirty or so days. So, a uh, lot to be discussed here on the Tottenham Depot, and we're glad that you are here to discuss it with us. You can follow us on the socials at Tottenham Depot, both Twitter and Instagram. Give us your thoughts, comments, likes, shares, all those good things. Uh, you can follow Caroline at CG Stefco, follow Scott at DSM Spurs, follow Shuban at The Real Shuban, and you can follow me at A Stetka. Uh, until next week, when we talk to you about these wonderful cup matches that we are hoping to have victories to discuss, this has been the Tottenham Depot podcast. As always, come on, you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot. And as always, come on, you Spurs.